Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit, and soon people across the region had heard news of him. He would regularly go into their synagogues and teach. His teaching earned him the respect and admiration of everyone who heard him. He eventually came to his hometown, Nazareth, and did there what he had done elsewhere in Galilee, entered the synagogue and stood up to read from the Hebrew scriptures. The synagogue attendant gave him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and Jesus unrolled it to the place where Isaiah had written these words, The Spirit of the Lord, the Eternal One, is on me. Why? Because the Eternal designated me to be his representative to the poor, to preach good news to them. He sent me to tell those who are held captive that they can now be set free, and to tell the blind that they can now see. He sent me to liberate those held down by oppression. In short, the Spirit is upon me to proclaim that now is the time, that this is the jubilee season of the Eternal One's grace. Jesus rolled up the scroll and returned it to the synagogue attendant. Then he sat down, as a teacher would do, and all in the synagogue focused their attention on Jesus, waiting for him to speak. He told them that these words from the Hebrew scriptures were being fulfilled then and there in their hearing. At first, everyone was deeply impressed with the gracious words that poured from Jesus' lips. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed that he could say these things. Then everyone said, Wait, this is only the son of Joseph, right? Then Jesus said, You're about to quote the old proverb to me, Doctor, heal yourself. Then you're going to ask me to prove myself to you by doing the same miracles I did in Capernaum. But face the truth. Hometowns always reject their homegrown prophets. Think back to the prophet Elijah. There were many needy Jewish widows in his homeland, Israel, when a terrible famine persisted there for three and a half years. Yet the only widow God sent Elijah to help was an outsider from Zarephath in Sidon. It was the same with the prophet Elijah. There were many Jewish lepers in his homeland, but the only one he healed, Naaman, was an outsider from Syria. The people in the synagogue became furious when he said these things. They seized Jesus, took him to the edge of town, and rushed, pushed him to the edge of the cliff on which the city was built. They would have pushed him off and killed him, but he passed through the crowd and went on his way. Dear Lord, we just come before you this morning. We come before you humbled that um, this is the season of Jubilee. We thank you um, for our pastor this morning, and we just lift him to you right now. I pray that you would use Aaron to speak your word through, through him to us, and I pray that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what you have for us this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to Church Project. Christina, thanks for reading a thousand verses. Kids, you can head on upstairs and have fun up there. Is everyone feeling good today? Hey, why don't, why don't we stand up because you just sat back down. Why don't we stand up, tell someone hi around you, say, hey, you have bad coffee breath. Maybe give them a fist bump or something. Is that a new one? All right. All right. Well, welcome. We're glad that you're here. 
Um, you can you can go ahead and have a seat. If you do not have a Bible, there's Bibles in the back. You can grab one of those to have to do whatever you would like with. Also, you can pull out your YouVersion app. The notes are on there. Church, uh, search for Church Project. The notes are all on there. So, welcome. We're glad that you are here today. Thank you, Christina, for reading all those verses. Yes, we are tackling a, about a million verses today. And so, did you guys understand all those verses? Are, are we good? Probably a little confusing when you put it all together. But don't worry. We're going to go through. We're going to unpack some stuff. But I, as I was preparing this message, There was something that really stood out to me. I'm real excited to share. God's been working on me all week on this message. But first, how many of you have heard of Drew Barrymore? Okay, actress. Come on. Everyone knows Drew Barrymore, right? Okay, everyone knows Drew Barrymore. I was, I was kind of thinking about their family a little bit, doing some research as, as this message was kind of unfolding. And uh, the Barrymores, okay. Their, their grandpa, John, so Drew Barrymore's grandpa, John and Ethel and Lionel were the three highest paid Hollywood stars in, during the 1940s. Did you know that? So like Drew Barrymore's dad's and, and, and grandpa. And then her dad her, was John and... And his sister was Diana, and they were they were Hollywood stars as well. And their family kind of goes back as as a heritage, as their family, their bloodline goes back to the 1800s, where, where they were performing theatrical stuff. And it's just kind of in their bloodline that they are actors, actresses. They're very successful. In fact, Drew Barrymore was named after her grandma Georgia Drew, and so that's how Drew Barrymore got her name. So their whole family has this whole like blood thing of, you know, we're going to make a lot of money and we're going to be very famous. It's in their bloodline to have the makeup of famous people and, and to rule Hollywood. So there, there's the, the Barrymores. And as I was looking at that, I was thinking, okay, I don't have actors and actresses in my family. So obviously that's, that's not my bloodline. And as I was looking at these verses, it was really, really cool to me. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about having the DNA of Jesus Christ. Here's the one point you can write this down and then leave if you want to if you have to go fly a kite or something but I would stay for the whole thing okay but here's here's the one point that we're going to get at today every individual all of us every individual given to Christ has the same power in them that our liberating king um, had in him so every single one of us, when we've given ourselves to Christ, we have the same power in us that our liberating King had in Him as He walked the earth. That is so exciting. Talk about a bloodline. In the physical world that we live in, that we know, that, that we just muse, muse around in, okay? We have different social, economical sta- standings, each of us. Some of us are born in different countries. Most of us probably in America, unless you're missionary or something. You know, that's... That's kind of what we are. Um, also race. Like there's so much stuff that makes up who we are and gives us different kinds of opportunities or background structure and even future stuff. So the Barrymores, obviously, they have a lot of connections to Hollywood. It's going to be a lot easier for one of them to become a Hollywood star rather than myself. Okay? So when 
when I think about our social economical structure and I think about us as human beings, there's the physical world that we have, that we live in. We know this. It's our skin. It's just what we are. But then there's this spiritual world. And the spiritual world is what's gotten me very excited this week, thinking about this. This spiritual world, when we can grab the truth that each of us, when we've given our life to Jesus Christ, we have the same spirit in us that Jesus had in us, that's a deeply empowering truth. Now think about this. It's, it, it's, a great, it's a great truth that if you grab it, I like images. And maybe I'm artistic. I don't know. Probably not. But I like images. When, when I started thinking about this, I thought about, honestly, I thought about a dad. And I thought about a dad looking at their, their child, you know, tears on their face, just crying, maybe had a rough day or whatever. And the dad saying, it's all right, and wiping a tear away. Think about Jesus and your life. Think about the spirit that was in, in Jesus as he walked to this earth is the same spirit we have in us, and that should be deeply empowering to you. Okay, open up your Bible to Luke chapter 4, verse 14 is where we're going to start today. We're going to tackle a whole lot of scripture, but it's good. What I want to do is kind of highlight some stuff, and hopefully you can go home and and kind of read the rest of this. But let's look at the text. So Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14, is what we're going to look at. But before I do that, what I want to do is I I kind of want to set some things up and show you some things, okay? Because this whole passage is just, it just flows together really well. And so we're going to go all the way back to the first verse in chapter 4. The very first verse in chapter 4 says this, When Jesus returned from the Jordan River, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Get that? Then go to um, verse 14. Verse 14 says, Jesus returned from Galilee in the power of the, what? Holy Spirit. You get that? Okay. Now go to verse 18. What does verse 18 say? The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Can you see some kind of contextual or can you see some kind of theme right here that even these million verses that we're talking through, what is happening right here? Like Jesus, we've we've just studied, um, just got baptized. He went to the wilderness, was tempted by Satan. And then we get to chapter 4 and it says the Spirit of the Lord is on him. The Spirit of the Lord is on him. The Spirit of the Lord is on him. And remember the deep truth that we're studying today? The same Spirit that was in Jesus as he walked is the same spirit that was in us that's in us so as we begin to look at scripture as we think of our life never think of yourself as someone that doesn't have the power of Jesus Christ because the same spirit that was in him is the spirit that's in us see Jesus um, walked in power when he walked on earth and we're beginning to see this right now this is the beginning of his ministry and his life on earth he walked in power how do you walk throughout your day do you walk throughout your day or throughout your week beat up or do you walk just saying I belong to a king and you smile because you know that the power of Jesus once you've given your life to him is in you the same power that he had Um, we should walk with sure steps our days should be walking in sure steps knowing that God is guiding us and that he loves us and it's not on our own power that we can do anything but on the power of the Holy Spirit the same power that was in Jesus Christ okay does this do anything to you? To me, when I think about this, I can kind of breathe a little, a, a little lighter. I'm like, whew, 
That means it's not up to me to perform? Is that what this means? Is that what this means? That Jesus can empower me? Yes! What an incredible thing to know that the same spirit that was in Jesus is the same spirit that I have in me. I I breathe a lot lighter when I think about that. Um, So when we're looking at the text and we're looking at that the the Holy Spirit filled Jesus in in multiple spaces and kind of led him and guided his steps, we should think that no one in our lives, if we have the same spirit, no one can steal that inheritance from us. No situation at work um, should leave us proud, like we're doing really good, or depressed because it's just a bad work environment. Um, no, uh, there's no lack of money or excess of money that should make us happier or, or more sad. Can I say sadder? Is that a word? I don't know. Um, it means this, that we are His children and we walk in His love. We walk in His joy. We walk in His presence. We, lock, we walk in His spirit. And that is a really, really cool thing. I like that. So, alright, I'll, I'll get off of that for a little bit, okay? Because it just, I don't know. Does this do anything to you guys? Yeah. Are, are, you, are you tracking? Maggie's like, yeah. Is this good coffee? You liking that? Yeah. Let's, that's, that's, our, that's our message right there. Jesus, we have the same spirit that he had. Can I go on a side tangent though? Because some of us may, may be in here and we may be thinking, that's awesome, but how do I get this spirit? Like, like. How? Are any of you thinking that? Like, how, like, is this just something that, hello, would wake up one day and just got this spirit in me? It's kind of weird. You know, how, how, do I, how do I get this spirit? And this is kind of a side little thing that I, I think would be really cool for you to go through and study, even on your own. But I want to look at, at some texts here, and we're going to jump out of Luke. We're going to jump mainly into the book of Acts because there's a the word baptism. Anyone heard baptism? Okay, there's the word baptism, and I kind of want to get on this because some of us may be thinking, okay, Jesus had this this spirit. How did he get the spirit? What does that mean to me? How do I get this spirit? Um, I want us to wrestle with Scripture, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lightly touch on this so you can go home and you can wrestle with Scripture as well. But as I as I think about baptism, as we looked a couple weeks ago, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. Remember that. He was baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist. And it said Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit came on him. And God said, this is my son whom I love. So we see there a picture of Jesus literally getting immersed in water and coming up out of water. Baptized means to dip in. And we see Jesus coming out of water and then the Holy Spirit came on him. So in that scenario, when did the Holy Spirit come on Jesus? After baptism, right? Okay, so we have that. That's, that's beautiful. But I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to play with our minds a little bit. So go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Um, you, you don't have to flip there if you don't want, um, but write it down. Because this is Peter. He's addressing a crowd. This is the first church and what's going on in early times. And Peter's addressing a crowd and he says this. He says, repent and be baptized Every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So in this verse, we see Peter, and he's saying, hey, in order to get the gift of the Holy Spirit, you need to repent and be baptized. 
So once again, we see that. Then, then we go to Acts chapter 8, verse 36. And if you know this story, it's, it's Philip, and he comes across this guy who's sitting in his um, Bentley car on the side of the road. He's an Ethiopian eunuch, and because he's a, an official, so he's got a lot of money, so it's probably a Bentley, or a Ford Focus, but probably a Bentley. And he's sitting there, and he's thinking through Scripture. He's trying to understand it, and God takes Philip to, to this guy and says, do you understand this? And, and this guy goes, I don't understand it. So Philip jumps in his Bentley with him, or carriage, or whatever it was, and they travel down the road, and Philip begins to explain Scripture to them and we get all the way in chapter 8 verse 36 as they traveled along the road they came to some water and the eunuch said look here's the water why shouldn't I be baptized stop I want to get baptized right now so what's the context Philip is talking about scripture and the eunuch sees water and says I want to get baptized right now so we see the importance of baptism in there then this one really plays with my mind Okay, and this is the last one on baptism but Acts chapter 10 verse 47 and this is Peter And he's speaking about Gentiles, people who are not Jewish, do not believe in Jesus Christ, are typically dirty people to the Jews at this point, okay? And we come to Acts chapter 10, verse 47, and I get excited about this. Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have received it. So as we look at this, what has happened to the Gentiles in this passage? They received the Holy Spirit just as, you know, Peter had and his friends. And because they had the Holy Spirit, they said, should we stop them from being baptized? So it's kind of the opposite of what happened with Jesus, right? And so as we begin to look at the Scripture and we begin to unpack it and think about it, that's the beauty of the Scriptures. God can continue to speak through Scripture. And this is one of the things that Aaron Havens has come to a conclusion with, that whether filled by the Holy Spirit at baptism or before, it's not a formula. There is, there is no formula. God can do whatever He wants to do. He can grab the eunuch on the side of the road and fill him. He can fill the Gentiles before they're even baptized. He can fill you when you're baptized right there. This is what I think of baptism though, okay? Baptism. It's a public obedience that Jesus asks of us. His last words were, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost, depends upon what version you're reading. And so we see this command of Jesus Christ. We see how in the, in, the, in the book of Acts, people are baptized here, baptized, spirit here, spirit here, before, after baptism. We see all that. We know that God can work in incredibly awesome ways, and we know that God asks us to be baptized. So I want to ask a question. Have you ever been baptized? <laughs> Have you? We are going to have a, a church project baptism very soon. Um, I've been telling my daughter for a year and a half that she would be the first one baptized for church project. And we just haven't done it yet. (laughs) Okay? Well, am I a terrible dad? Maybe. I don't know. But I I, I just... It's time. It's time for church project to have a baptism. I know a couple of you probably want to do that. Um, If that's you, 
There's cards on, on your chair. I'll make this easy for you. You can write, yeah, I want to get baptized or, or talk to someone about being baptized. You can put it in that box over there, the offering box, or hand it to me. I just think that it's time for us to go down this route. Jesus asks us, get baptized. Get baptized. It's not going to be a super powerful thing where it's like the Spirit suddenly falls on you. Well, maybe. I, I, I don't know. God can do whatever He wants. But, but we're going that route. So it's not the form. It's not the function of what God does here and, and how we get baptized and, and when we get spilled, he, or, uh, filled with His Spirit. Because it can happen before baptism, after baptism, I, you know, whatever. Okay. So that was a nice little side note. Did you like that? It was more for you to discuss at house churches, so I threw that out there. So there you go. Okay, let's get let's get right down to the text. Luke chapter four, verse fourteen. I want to set this up a little bit for you, um, just so you know. This is Jesus, and he, and he's talking, and he's a Jew. He's talking to Jewish people. At this point, the Romans are oppressing the Jews, and we get to the scripture that we just read. All right. Jesus comes back to Galilee. He's filled with the the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that that we have if we've surrendered our our life to Him and given our life to Him. He's filled with the Spirit. He goes to the synagogue to begin teaching. Um, This is when He begins teaching. This is His hometown. This is where He came from. So imagine us. We're the hometown of Nazareth. Jesus comes back. He's old now, and he's beginning to teach. Now, we know that Jesus was was without sin, so he hasn't stolen any cookies as he's grown up as a child. He didn't get in a fight with Johnny, you know. No one took Jesus home by the neck and said, Mary... Your son Jesus did this. Like he, 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 was a, he was a perfect child. No sin in his life. And so we are impressed that this, this good old boy has come home. Jesus has come home. He's like our rock star. He's our superhero. He's kind of like Jacksonville, Florida. They probably have a sign that says home of Tim Tebow. You know, I, I don't know what it says in Nazareth. But this is the setting. Like Jesus comes back to Nazareth. And he's, he's beginning to teach in the synagogue. And what he begins to teach is beautiful, beautiful. Stuff. Look in verse 22. In verse 22, it says this, if I can find it. It says, At first, everyone was deeply impressed with the gracious words that poured from Jesus' lips. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed that he could say these things. Why are we amazed? Because it's Jesus. He's, he's the perfect guy. He's come home. And not only that, when he just read to us, what he read to us out of the book of Isaiah, the Hebrew writings, what he just said to us was, we're oppressed by the Romans, and there's a liberator coming to set us free. So you have this hometown guy that's perfect saying that we're oppressed and we're about to be set free. So, of course, verse 22 comes, and it's exciting, right? We're like, yeah! Thank you, Jesus! Our liberator is coming! Like, that's what the scripture says. And, and we're so excited about that. Then, he, he begins to go through and he says in the writing of verse 18, 19, verse 18, that I've come to set the poor, the captive, the blind, those words right there. I think of people that are poor. I think of people that are blind. I think of people that are captive. And it's this, all those words, when we begin to look at it in context, is this, is people that are bound under sin. The 
poor, the blind, the people that are captive. They're bound under sin. They don't know the freedom of Jesus Christ. And here Jesus is beginning to teach. He's, he's beginning to say, you may be poor, you may be blind, you may be captive, but there's a liberator coming. And everyone's rallying and saying, yes, yes, where's this, this, this liberator? And he, he's saying, you might not have purpose. You, you might not be able to see where you're going, but there's a liberator coming. And everyone's like, yes, yes, yes. So I talk to us today. Are you poor? Are you blind? Are you captive? Do you feel like you go through just the movings of your week in and out and you don't know where you're going? You're just aimlessly going. You don't have purpose. You don't have hope. You feel like your world is dark. You can't see and you don't know why. Here's the message. Jesus is there and he's a liberating king. He loves you a great, great deal. This is good. We should be getting pretty excited here. This is good stuff. Would you agree? So Jesus is teaching. And in verse 22, the people are going, yes, 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 thank you, Jesus. Good old boy. Yes, yes. And then we turn this corner. (laughs) This corner. Okay, let's just go to this corner. Verse 28. People in the synagogue became furious when he said these things. What did he just say? Well, I've read through this a hundred times, so I can answer it right now. You may not be able to. This is the first time we're looking at it. Basically, what he said was, There's a liberator coming, and I'm him. I'm that liberator. And suddenly, everyone in the room, in the hometown of Nazareth, goes, Whoa. Aren't you Joseph's son? But you grew up here. Like, I know who you are. And now you're saying that you're the one that's going to be the liberator? What? And then, to go a step further, we're all Jewish. And as you begin to read this scripture, you'll see that he was talking about taking this liberating news to the people that were oppressing us, to the Gentiles. So now there's two strikes against you, Jesus. Like, one, you said, there's a liberator coming. Awesome, we're with you. But then you said, it's you? Well, you're just Joseph's son. Like, come on, that can't be true. And then you say this liberation is also for the people that are oppressing us? Uh Uh-uh, like, that's it. No way. And that's what we get to when we get to verse, what, what is it, 28? I lost my notes. Yeah, we, we get to verse 28. As these people become upset, they become angry. And then the rest of all the way to verse 30, we see him going to the Gentiles, blah, not to the Gentiles, they're the oppressors. Eh. I mean, they're getting mad. And they take Jesus, and they're like, You're just the son of Joseph. What do you know? And they take him to a cliff. And then I don't know what happened. It's like a magic trick happened. I don't know. You wrestle with that scripture. We ended on it. But it, I mean, look at it. It says they're taking Jesus to the edge of the cliff to throw him off, and then he disappears. Like, what? Yes, like a cool trick. I don't know what that means. That's one of the cool things about Scripture is your pastor doesn't know what that means. You might not be able to know what that means either. It's the mystery of Scripture. What does that mean? Let your mind wander a little bit. Get a little imaginative on it. I mean, did it mean that they got distracted by cool shiny things like in Disney movies? Squirrel! 
you know, and he just disappeared? I mean, what, what does it mean? Who knows? Wrestle with it. Just let your mind go. It's the beauty of the scripture speaking. So they're going to do this, and, and oh, here's another great message. These people grew up with Jesus. They had the liberating king there with them, and they were apathetic to it. What does that mean for you that grew up in church? <clears throat> now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you grew up in church? I'll raise my hand. I mean, I've, I've been in church my whole life. You know how easy it is to get apathetic towards church, not realize that the liberating king has grown up in my hometown? I mean, some of the best pastors I know are pastors that came to faith later and after, like college, after they'd done all the jacked up stuff in the world, they realized, I need God. And now they're some of the best pastors I know. Some of the worst pastors I know are the ones that grew up in church and they're just apathetic. It's just blah, 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 you know? It doesn't have to be the case. But look at Nazareth. Look at Nazareth. They had their liberating King Jesus right there and they could not see it. And when he said, I am him and this message of love is for the world, they go to kill him. It's just like us, man. Christians, wake up. This news is awesome. It should grip your heart. You should smile a whole lot bigger. You know what this message does to me? (laughs) Especially as I look at it this week. The same power that was in Jesus guides our step. You know what it does? It means that we need to get over being timid about sharing the gospel. We have the same power Jesus has. Do you see any place in Scripture when Jesus comes up to someone and says, Hey there, buddy. Uh, what's up? Like, I've got good news for you. It's going to change your life. Oof, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Let's get over being timid. Love. Yes, love. And please don't get a bullhorn and start shouting to everyone around the whole world, okay? (laughs) Love people, but don't be timid about it. And I I can put it very practical for me and for you today. I was at Lowe's two weeks ago. Last week. Whatever week. When was Easter? Last week? Okay, I was at Lowe's last week. And I had my church project card in my pocket. Okay. You probably, maybe you have done this. I don't know. But I'm like, okay, hey, guy. <laughs> How you doing? Like, I don't know, you go to church or something? <laughs> and I'm like kind of giddy because I want to give him this card. And I'm like, but I'm also really nervous. Anyone? Anyone you? Okay. Like, I want to invite him to church because I just believe in this message. I'm like, this is going to be cool. But I'm so timid. I'm like... If you don't have a church, maybe you'll go to this. You know, I'm a pastor. And it's hard. my heart's beating. I'm like, should I do it 50-50? I don't know. My blood pressure's going up. I'm like, no, stop, stop, stop. If, if he doesn't know the love of Jesus Christ, I have the same power that Jesus had. I should be able to walk up to him with confidence, not hanging my head low and have an ultimate love and say, I want you to experience the love of Jesus Christ. And you can do it here, sure. Or any other church that preaches the good news, the gospel. But don't be timid. 
Our workplaces don't need timid people. Our schools don't need timid people. Our lives, we don't need to be timid. We should go around smiling because this is a good message. Do you like this message? This is a good, good message. We have the same spirit in us that Jesus had. We can speak life into dead places. Do you believe that? I'm going to say that again. We can speak life into dead places. If He's our liberating King, He has set us free from something. Death, darkness, despair. We can speak life. We can inject life and hope into dead places. In our workplaces that are apathetic and political, we can speak life into those. When we're getting backstabbed, when we're getting hurt, when the world's beating us up, when people are slandering us, we can speak life. We can speak love. That's why I have a huge love sign out there. Have you read that sign when you walked in on the left hand? Read it if you haven't. It's beautiful. We can inject life into dead places because we have the power of Jesus Christ in us. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to give you one more verse that we're going to chew on. And I'm going to leave you with is this. John 14, 12. If you know it, it's a great, great verse. Because we know the life of Jesus. I mean, He walked on water. He raised dead people. He did incredible, incredible things. And then He gives us this truth. Because it says in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. Whoever believes in Me will be able to do what I have done, but they will do even greater things. So does Jesus say, Here's my bar. You're going to get to about here. Or maybe here in your best day. He goes, no. The same spirit that was in me, you have it. Here's my bar. And you're going to do that. But you're even going to do greater things. Now we don't have the, we don't have the ability to be sinless and do what Jesus did dying on a cross. He's, there's only one Savior. That's Jesus Christ. But he says, once you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, my spirit is in you. You will be able to do even greater things that I have done. Do you believe that? Or has Satan grabbed your mind and you believe lies? We are powerful because of Jesus Christ. We don't have to look at situations and fall into the pit of despair in those situations. We can speak the name of Jesus into dark spaces in our life. When we have no hope, we cling to the name of Jesus Christ. When our life stinks, we cling to the name of Jesus Christ. When we're smiling and we have complete joy, we cling to the name of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us at all. It's about saying, you are my liberating king, and I recognize you, and I surrender to you. And God, I want to I I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and I want to be baptized. And God, I want your spirit, and I want to inject life into dead places. We go um, as a church. We're going to have an opportunity uh, to go on a mission trip to Haiti in July. You, if, you're, if you're interested in that, I'd love to, to give you information about that. But it's not just us. It's Church Project, the network at large. Houston's going. Um, Aurora's going. We're going. So if you're interested, let, let me know. But we're going. And we're going to North Haiti. And in North Haiti, there's a lot of people that are very hungry and, and, and don't have homes. You know, I mean, just bad social stuff going on. And very poor, monetarily. Belly's not full. And we're going to feed and to clothe and to build 
schools. And, I mean, we're going to do stuff. We're going to do great, great things with our hands. And we're, we're going to make a difference. Yeah. But if it was just for a social cause that we did that for, it would be a shame. That'd be a waste of time. That'd be a waste of money. That'd be a waste of everything. Why do we feed the, 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 the hungry? Why do we house the homeless? Why, why do we clothe the ones that are naked? Why do we do all these things? It's so people will understand the good news and the love of Jesus Christ. It's to take the gospel to places that it's not. It's to say, you may be hungry, so here's some food, and here's God who provided that food. Our, our job is to continually point people to the love of Jesus Christ, however it may be, wherever it may be. If it's in Haiti in July, or if it's at your work tomorrow or school tomorrow, our job is to point people to the liberating King because He has set us free, and we don't need to be timid because we have the same power that Jesus had in Him. Is this good? This is good. Amen? Amen. Thank you, voter. Amen. (laughs) Our purpose here at, at Church Project is to make disciples meet needs and to grow churches everything that we do our purpose should be to make more disciples us others to meet needs because there's a lot of people in Greeley I think the kids right now that are very hungry we can meet needs in Greeley and beyond Haiti wherever we can do that and it's our responsibility as a church to do that so make disciples we'll meet needs and we'll grow churches there's never enough churches we need to speak life into dead places you know what my, you know what my prayer is my prayer is that one of us in here or multiple of us in here we, we've made such good disciples that God calls you even to go and start your own church somewhere else that's my prayer is that we are just funneling people into the ends of the earth and going and making disciples disciples. Isn't that beautiful? That's our purpose. Our values, the things that we value here, the things that will never change is the Bible. We're very biblical. Biblical. Everything we do is biblical. Simple. It's not going to be flashy. Sorry. We don't have enough money to be flashy. And if we did, we wouldn't want to be anyways, okay? Biblical, simple, relevant. We got to make sure that we're speaking a relevant message to people. We're taking this and saying, this is how it applies to your life. That's our values. Our structure here at Life Church, or not Life Church, I said Life Church. <laughs> Dang. My past came to haunt me there. Jeez. I could say like a hundred churches. Okay, our structure at Church Project is, is this Sunday morning gatherings. Welcome. Ha! We did it. I mean, it's like we come together, we're like, hey, this week beat me up. Did it beat you up? Oh, this was an awesome week. I worked a lot of hours. Anyone else? Ron, don't raise your hand. It's a given. Okay? Yeah, we come together and we get to look each other in the eye on Sunday morning. So we have our, our Sunday gatherings. We also have our house churches. I'll just say this. If you're not in a house church, get in one. Period. Get in one. I see it in Acts. I see it the structure of, of, of our past heritage of church and how beautiful it was. And honestly, I see it in countries where it's illegal to meet as Christians. The only thing they can do is have house churches. America, we may be going that way. I don't know. There's so much growth that happens in house church. Get in a house church. And then the third one is ministry partnerships. God is speaking to every one of you. God's purpose to every one of you. He's given you talents and skills and abilities. Jamie can cut hair. I cannot cut hair. That's why she's there cutting hair. And she's doing a good job in telling people about the love of a king while she does that. And we want to partner with her in that. We want to help her do that. 
As a church, we need to be encouraging one one each other. I was going to say one another. Is that is that right? I don't know. It could be right. Whatever I want, you know. That's what happens when you wear cowboy boots as good as these, right? <laughs> That's a lot of words. Did you like these words? They're beautiful words. Because at the core of it, if we can grasp that we were once dark, and God came in and set us free, that's the message. And if, and if we can take that message to the ends of the earth somehow, then that's our hope. Don't be timid. Because the same spirit that was in God is in us. I want us to go into a time right now, and Danny, you can do the whole mood lighting thing, and CJ can come on up and do the whole music thing, and... Because these are just words that I spoke. And that's all they are, is, is just words. But I, my prayer is that the Spirit was speaking to you somehow through these words. Maybe prompting your heart. Maybe, I don't know, doing some really cool stuff in you. Um, it's nothing that I can say, but it's, it's God already moving in your heart. Maybe some of you right now, um, man, there's, just, there's stuff going in your mind that's a thousand miles an hour. Your heart's beating a little faster. You're like, I don't even know who this liberating king is. I don't know who Jesus is. And you would know if, if you do. I promise you. Because you've reached a point in your life when, when you've said, God, I've been living life on my own and I need, I need you. It's just not working on my own. Life of my own is, is dark, it's empty. I need you. If, if that's you, I want to talk to you. I'll, I'll, I'll be over there somewhere. Maybe there's some of us in this room, and, and I, can, I can think of one part that would have caught me during this message, especially. Would it be, I grew up in church, <laughs> you know? It's easy for me to get apathetic towards this whole message. Maybe God grabbed your heart, one of your heart, or all of our hearts in that. Maybe there's parts of this message that, that is just radiating in your heart or in your mind. You could leave here the same as you came, or you could really let this message take root. And my prayer is that you let it take root. This is the best part of what we do right now. It's where we get to stand up. We get to worship God. We get to let Him work in our hearts. We get to say, God, You are our liberating King. You are our Savior, and thank You for that. We get to praise Him. We get to worship Him through song. There's, there's communion over here. Maybe during these next couple songs, you're, you're feeling led to go do communion. Take a piece of bread that represents God's, God's body. Dip it in the grape juice that represents His blood. And remember what He did for us on the cross and how He set us free. The liberation. You know, take communion. There's, there's offering over there. Some of us will worship through our, our giving. That's also where you put these prayer request cards. You can, or if you want to give us your information, you put those in there as well. This right here, though, is your time to worship God. I can't determine what that's going to look like for you. All we can do is give you the opportunity to worship your king. So if you do, it's up to you. If not, that's also up to you. 
let's stand and, and let's pray and just tell God how awesome he is. God, you are amazing. God, you are beautiful. God, we give you our lives today. We give you our hearts. We give you our minds. Pray in this place that your, your spirit will be overwhelming. But God, it will be flowing in this building right now. But God, we would get goosebumps knowing that you are here, God. I pray that we can worship you, that you would accept this worship. Please continue to speak in our hearts and in our minds. God, you have set us free, and we thank you for that.